You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Uh, Hey, my name is Steve McCoy. I'm uh, the lead pastor here at 360. And if it's your first time, thank you. This is an appropriate Sunday to talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about passion. I think what you know when you come to a, a baptism service, and it's it reminds me sometimes of a wedding. Uh, when I go to a wedding and I'm not officiating, I'm sitting with my wife, and you know they're going through their vows and whatnot, and it's just there's kind of a there's a renewal. You know, you I squeeze her hand a little bit tighter, and uh, and then she tells me to quit doing that, and then not no, okay. No, we, uh, it's just, uh, and so it, it, baptisms are a together thing because we need that, that uh, encouragement. We need that, that sense of, uh, uh, you know, uh, renewal and reigniting of our, 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 our um, uh, passion. And uh, so, anyway, it's going to just what a great, great morning. So, uh, we've been in um, the book of Jonah for uh, quite a while here, uh, I guess a month or so. And we're going through every sentence, every phrase, every word of the book of Jonah. And what a fitting passage that we land on today. Um, and so many of you know the book of Jonah, you know the story of Jonah, even if it's at a, that basic level that Jonah was asked to go somewhere to, to uh, for, you know, the message from God. And then he said no. And uh, we heard from people, we had five or six other people get baptized today. And a lot of people say no to God at first because they think, you know, I don't need religion in my life. I don't need, you know, I, my life is going fine. And Jonah's probably was the same. And so God says, hey, I want you to go to the city, Nineveh. It's a a significant city. It would be like for us, uh, Chicago or New York City. Uh, At the time, Nineveh was full of violence. It was full of immorality. Certainly would not have been attractive to to any of us. And so as we know the story, uh, Jonah says no. And in fact, he says a passionate no, as we saw last week. He went 3,000 miles the other way. And it was in his mind the furthest direction from Nineveh that he could possibly go. So when we see God then intervene, and as we saw last week, to blow the winds of compassion, to create a storm on on the sea, and Jonah began to uh, you know, see things from a little bit of a different perspective. But the people in the boat were, they were freaked out. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a storm in a boat uh, on, a, on the ocean. Um, I get really um, sick a lot on boats. In fact, I, I don't think I can ever literally remember getting, uh, not throwing up on a boat. So for all you guys that want to ask me to go fishing, don't do it. Uh, I will be throwing up. There'll be cleanup on aisle five after we go fishing and not from the fish, but you know, so, um, and so for me, like a three foot swell, that'd be like a major, you know, hurricane type thing. Uh, but I was off the, the coast of Cape Cod one time and there was like 10 foot swells. I was with my mom and I was, uh, well, I was throwing up and, uh, and my mom kept saying, don't think about it. I'm like, don't think about it. I'm like, I got this projectile going out. Okay. I just, well, I'll ignore it. But this was, this was what was happening with Jonah and these guys and they were freaking out. And all of a sudden they were super passionate about it. And so the question today is what if our passion was as equal or greater than the world around us. That's what we're going to look at today. In fact, Jesus, 
he made a statement one time. It was it was an odd statement. He made he made a number of statements that were you know head turning and and caused you to think. He was talking. He was telling a story, and he was talking about an unfair, a dishonest manager, and how this dishonest manager was was shrewd in the way he dealt with with issues. And so, and and Jesus said in Luke chapter sixteen, he was telling the story. He said the master commended. The dishonest manager. That's weird. Like, why would God say, I'm commending this guy's dishonest, but for a different reason than we might think. Of course, Jesus is not saying, hey, dishonesty is great, but watch the comparison. The master commended this dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. And then he says, for the people of our culture, for the people of our world, are often more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And I would say that there are times when we can we can see that there are times where the culture around us can sometimes be more passionate about the things that they're passionate about more than we're passionate about God, the creator of the, the universe, making all things in, in massive and intricate ways, breaking through our world, coming to us in the form of Jesus Christ, saving us, coming back from the dead, because we say it so often as Christians, and we hear it and we sing about it so often that we can come become numb to it and less passionate about it, and yet the world is passionate about a lot of what they do. Watch. When we go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 5, because the sea was rolling and this, is some, this incredible storm, all the sailors were afraid, and as we saw last week, each cried to his own God. And they threw the cargo. I mean, they're throwing stuff off the boat. I mean, like, we got we got to save ourselves. They're throwing cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I'll tell you again, you've heard me say it many times, it's the small words of the Bible that are really riveting. So you have this little three-letter word, but. In other words, in contrast to these guys who are passionate about, man, we got to do something. We got to get, we got to, to save ourselves, but. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and passed out. He's in a deep sleep. And they say to him, how can you sleep? Now, if you look at the original language, there's the word dude in there somewhere. <laughs> like, dude, right? How can you sleep? How can you be sleeping? Get up and call your God. Maybe you will take notice of it. We're not going to die out here. We're not going to perish. I mean, they were like super passionate. Meanwhile, back in the lower deck, he's snoozing. He has lost all passion. He wasn't, Jonah wasn't passionate for the mission. Jonah wasn't passionate about Nineveh. Jonah wasn't passionate about anything. He just was numb to it all and fallen asleep. So it reminded me of some, some things that, that we get passionate about. I want to show you some pictures of some of the musicians in my life, you know, my background's in music, uh, some of the musicians in my life that I've seen live. Anybody know who this guy is? Ooh, more, you're a more cultured group than the first. <laughs> the first service, there was one person. Yes, this is Yo-Yo Ma. I saw, he was my first classical concert I ever saw years and years ago. I was in the nosebleed section, and he was about this tall, you know, on stage. But from that distance, when he plays, he'll yank his head back like this, and just, it's, man, I could feel it, like 50 rows up in the nosebleed section. I could feel that passion, because this is his life. Here's another one. Let's see how well you do on this. Anybody know this? 
Joshua Bell. Wow, very good. You get the prize. You get an old violin on the way out. Now, the quietness of the room proves to me that when I spent uh, so much time and money in uh, learning classical music, it's not that popular in the U.S., by the way. <laughs> in fact, I used to live near St. Augustine. There was a guy that was out there. He had a one-man band. You know, he had a big bass drum on his, uh, on his back. He had like a washboard on his chest. He had a harmonica, you know, kind of glued around his neck. He had a tambourine on one foot, and he would kick and everything. Hundreds of people would go crowd around him. He had a buck. He was making a. He was a, making a mint out there. And I said to myself, I have wasted a lot of money on this musical education. Because see, when I play Beethoven on a Sunday afternoon at four, I get about thirty-seven people. That's it, and half are asleep. So I'm like, I should have done the one-man band. Joshua Bell, amazing. Here's uh, here's another one. You might recognize this. Uh huh. Yes. So uh, I went to his concert with uh, people that were 25 years younger than me, and we stood in the mosh pit. Also the last time I'll do that. Not getting on a boat, not doing mosh pit anymore. Here's some athletes you might recognize. There's, there's uh, Jordan, Michael Jordan. Of course, you might recognize this. Okay, a little too soon. A little too soon. All right. I know he cashed it in this week. I've been a Brady fan for a long time. There's Tiger doing his passion. And then there's the people that watch these guys. How about this guy? Yeah. Look at his hat. It says the Bronconator. Yes. How about this? That says a lot. <laughs> See, some of you have left church because you're like, it's a little chilly in here. I think I'm just going to leave. Come on. <laughs> you see the comparison of passion? <laughs> sometimes we look at the and we think, oh man, the passion is, is sometimes often missing. In fact, Tom Brady said this week when he retired, part of his retirement statement said this, I've always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If a hundred percent competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. Some of you know my story. I was at a high-level conservatory of music in Boston studying to be a concert pianist. For many, many years, I practiced eight hours a day on the piano, seven days a week, 364 days a year. I took Christmas Day off. Did it for many, many years. At that level, if you're going to play the game like that, you have to, you have to commit 100%, just like Brady said, 100%. One of the greatest shocks of my Christian journey to this point, this would be my 40th year following Christ, to this point, was the transition from that high-level commitment conservatory to seminary, to be honest. It was a bit of a shocker because I thought, man, we're excited about this. This is my ambition and my God, you know, and I'm doing it for self-reasons. So when I go to seminary, man, they're, gonna, they're wearing the Jesus jersey. They're going to be like over the top. And certainly there were people there that were committed. But overall, the tone was quite different. My point is not to throw rocks at seminaries. Okay, maybe it is my point. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, my point is that sometimes the world has this fire. The people on the boat that day, they had fire. Come on, dude, what are you doing sleeping? You know what I mean? And it's good for us. Today's message comes on the heels of seeing people saying, I'm all in. That's what baptism is. 
I am publicly declaring my faith in Christ, and I'm all in. So let's be honest just briefly before we, we look, jump into this story. Why is it? What, what causes us to lose our edge at times, lose our flame, lose our passion? Because there's not a person in this room that's a Christ follower that has not had days, weeks, months, years where our, our passion, our flame has diminished a little bit. I think there's some reasons for it. Sometimes it's what we see in each other, to be honest with as a team. Watch this. You remember last week, if you were here, Elijah was in a cave, 1 Kings 19. God came to him. The word of the Lord came to him and said, hey, what are you doing here in a cave? And Elijah replied, I've been very passionate, been very zealous. Zealous is another word for passion. I've been very passionate for the Lord God Almighty. But my teammates, the Israelites, not the people that hated Israel, but my teammates have rejected your promises, your covenant, your agreement. They've broken down your altars. They put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me too. You see, sometimes we're, we're kind of, we're, um, uh, what, are the, what are those little lizards that, uh, that camouflage? What? Geckos. Yeah, but then they change. Chameleons, thank you. Help me out, please. Any <laughs> You know that part of the Bible where it's, uh, you know, it's just gay. <laughs> it's a little scary. Who's, how did he get up there? <laughs> Can't even know what a chameleon is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they change. And so we're, that's how we are as human beings. As a musician, I'm going to tell you, when you play with musicians that are greater than you, all of a sudden you're like, dude, I'm like playing great today. And it's the other way too. When you play with some the guys that are not that not that strong, you, you know, you begin to kind of diminish too. I remember I used to play in a worship band in another church, and my nephew played. He was only fourteen; he was just starting on the drums, and he always started out pretty good. But then his arms would get tired. It's like ding 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 ding. I'm like, what's happening to my playing? It's like the batteries are running out. You know. <laughs> Christianity Today just came out with a, um, a survey. In the United States, 38% of pastors in this country right now are seriously considering quitting. Mainline denominations, 51%. Over half of pastors have said, man, it's, uh, it's, it's too heavy. So, along with Tom Brady this morning, I would like to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I've been in too long. Like, I don't care. I'm like, sometimes it's the team. And sometimes we, you know, we're like, well, they're not passionate. I'm not passionate. So it, it becomes contagious, right? Here's another reason. Sometimes it's the things around us. In Psalm 119, David said, my passion wears, wears me out because my enemies ignore you. And sometimes culture around us, Matthew 24, Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, sometimes the passion and the love of most, not some, will grow cold. In other words, we must see others have passion. So for those of you that, that got baptized today, thank you. Because you've inspired us. I sat there with, and, and tears coming to my eyes. Thank you for inspiring us. Because we need that from each other, don't we? When I see, you know, when I, even when I'm up here preaching, I'm, I see people into it, I'm looking at you. <laughs> because we inspire one another. You play on a sports team, you play in a music band, whatever. And that man, that guy's going after it. I'm going after it. 
Don't underestimate the contagion of your passion. Even if you think you're the only one, your compassion, 76 years old, going to go to Mozambique, your passion inspires me, brother. There are people sitting in this room that are, that are saying, man, I'm going all out for good. I'm not giving up. So it's important for us to recognize. Now, so I'm going to switch tracks because if we look at, at, at Jonah, we're going to get discouraged because he's down, he's sleeping. But let's look at a guy today that has passion, David, King David. If you read the book of Psalms, you'll see passion on every single page. And I, pro, I, I say to you, I propose to you, that that passion came way before he became king of Israel. See, God chose him because he had passion. God did not choose him hoping he would get passion. He was on the back 40 watching sheep. Why do you think he wrote the psalm and said, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all are God's sheep. We, so he, we, are, he is the, uh, we are the sheep of his pasture. That's because he's out there writing tunes on the back end uh, of when nobody saw him. So I think there's some principles that we learn. You remember when David came across, uh, and he had this intersection. It was kind of our introduction to David. And he, we, we introduced by David really kind of in full color when he came face to face with Goliath. Now, when he came into the scene, he was a bit dismantled, a bit deflated, because he, he came just to kind of bring some supplies and see what was going on to his brothers, to his team. And the whole team had lost their passion. The flame had been reduced. Their courage, their confidence had decreased because they were facing this guy that was much taller and much stronger than they were, and they had all freaked out. And David comes along and uses the same word as the sailors. Dude, what's wrong with you? Where's your passion, right? In Second, uh, 1 Samuel 17, watch. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, Goliath, your servant. I'll go and fight him. Somebody that day needed a David. Somebody sitting in this room has lost their flame. Somebody sitting in this room has lost their passion. You need to see a David. Well, in fact, you already have seen about seven or eight Davids this morning. That passion. We need that from each other. And so there's some things about, about David's life here that I'm hoping will encourage us about passion and some observations about passion. And we're going to then end on the biggest question. Okay, how do we get passion when we, when we close today? Here's the first thing. Passion is not conditional. Passion is not conditional. What do I mean? Sometimes we're passionate when things are going really great. You know, praise the Lord, man. Things are going awesome. How about thing, when things are not going great? That's when passion. But passion we have to be careful. Passion is not emotion. I'm not asking you to become a more emotional. However, I think emotion is an, is an outcome of passion. It's hard, to, it's hard to be really passionate about something and not being emotional, but we're not saying, let's get emotional, then you'll become passionate. You see, passion is kind of like an engine in a train. That, that locomotive is going, and all of a sudden it starts sleeting, and that starts snowing. 
It doesn't, it doesn't affect the, the, the locomotion, I mean, that, that, that engine. It's keeping going. Now it's pouring rain. Now it's scorching heat. doesn't matter. That's passion. Passion is like, man, I'm churning. I'm going no matter what. Watch what happens. 1 Samuel 17, David gives his resume. He said, hey, let me tell you why I can fight Goliath. You see, when a lion or a, or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. And I rescued the sheep from its mouth when it turned on me. So when a bear turned on, I seized it by its hair. I struck it. I killed it. Now, I know this because I've done this several times. <laughs> I'm a camper by nature. It was a little bear. It was like a teddy bear. So <laughs> I'll take you by the hair, you little rascal. No, just kidding. There was nothing glorious about being on the back 40 watching sheep. There was nothing spotlighted, no accent. Is our passion as strong when we are alone than as it is when we are in the spotlight? You see, it's unconditional. It doesn't matter what is going on. When we see David, man, it doesn't matter if he's facing. You see, Jonah wasn't into the mission. Pretty obvious. He goes, okay, I'm cashing out then. See, God expected him like, I don't care if you're in a storm, on a sea, and a boat, going to Nineveh, going to New York City, going over to your neighbor's house. I want you to be passionate no matter what. That's a good measurement. I, this, I've been reading a lot about the American Revolutionary War. It's, it's the, the stunning passion of those that, you know, with all their fractures and all, all their, you know, mistakes as they're starting out in their own personal lives and whatnot, the passion is undeniable. This past week, I was reading about Washington crossing the Delaware. We always have those really, you know, beautiful oil paintings where he's kind of standing, you know, like in the edge of the boat and everything looks beautiful. If not, it was Christmas night. They were going to, they, they had lost every battle since March. March was the last battle that Washington won. So they lost in April and May and June, July, August, September, October. November, they lost one battle after the next. People had deserted, soldiers deserted. They were down to 2,400 soldiers. The British were bringing 15,000, 20,000 soldiers at a time onto the shores of New York. They lost New York City. They lost New York. They lost the entire state of New York. So they were going to go to, they had to cross on the east side, uh, uh, west side of um, the, the um, uh, Delaware, almost said the Jordan, uh, the Delaware. And then they were going to cross over and it was going to be a sneak attack. And the plan was that they were going to cross the Delaware with these 2,400 men who were absolutely worn out to the thread. They were going to cross over the Delaware and the plan was to land at midnight. They had artillery, the, you know, cannons and all that. They had to cross over. The way they did it was brilliant. Not enough time to go into it. They crossed over, and then they knew that they were going to have about an hour to get their act together and all their equipment and everything, and then move out, because then they were going to hike for 10 miles. But here was the problem. The Delaware was full of chunks, large chunks of ice. So the whole oil painting of them going smoothly across, not even catch it. On Christmas night, 1776, there was a nor'easter that had moved in. Couldn't see the hand in front of you, but they didn't stop. Their passion was not 
based on conditions. It was unconditional. It took them 11 hours, much longer than they thought, to cross that Delaware. All of them, all of their artillery, all their equipment. Instead of landing at midnight, they landed at 3 in the morning. Now the plan was foiled. Because they had hoped to land at midnight, get their equipment together by 1 o'clock, march 10 miles for 4 hours, land at, uh, at the, where the Hessians were at 5 in the morning before daybreak, and then make the attack. Didn't happen. It was already 3 in the morning. Took them another hour to get all their equipment together. It's 4 a.m. 2,400 men, tired to the bone, in a nor'easter on Christmas night, and most of them didn't have boots. They wrapped their feet, and that's why there was bloodstains in the snow. What is it that drives people in our culture, whether it's music, sports, business, war, if half of us had that kind of unconditional passion, the world would not look like it looks today. God is looking for that unconditional passion. Here's another thing. I've never, never, ever met a passionate person who's not bothered. You got to be bothered to be passionate. If you don't care, you know, uh, Jonah wasn't bothered at all. He wouldn't bother about Nineveh. He wouldn't bother. And it wasn't just bothered like I'm ticked off at Nineveh. These people in Nineveh were created by the God of the universe to have a relationship with them, to live, to live a purposeful life. It didn't bother him. They, they, were, they were on their way to a destiny away from God. They didn't care. He didn't care. There was a storm. Everybody's going to die on the boat. Well, we let the whole thing go down. Just go down, take a snooze on the, you know, on, on the, on below the He didn't care. To have passion, we have to be bothered. Watch. Here's David and the Philistine. First uh, Samuel uh, 17, 36. Your servant, David speaking of himself, has killed both the lion and the bear. And Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine, will be like one of them. Why? Because he's defied the armies of the living God, and I'm ticked off about it. I'm a little bothered by it. Can you feel it in his voice? He's defied the armies of the living God. Jesus had this at times. Sometimes we, we think, you know, we kind of mellow Jesus out, in my opinion. Remember when Jesus went in, he saw the people, you know, exchanging the merchandise and selling stuff in the temple. He went there and, you know, we don't, you never, you always see a picture of Jesus with a little lamb. It'd be, wouldn't it be cool if there's artists in the room? Maybe you could paint it, you know, a picture like, like that Jesus, like, you know, kicking over a table. That's the one I want on my mantle. <laughs> That's passion, Jesus. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's like a little cat or something. Oh, we love a mellow God, right? But our God is not mellow. I mean, he's nice and everything, but I'm just saying he's passionate. John chapter 2, Jesus walks into the temple, starts kicking stuff over into those who sold the doves. He says, get out of here. How dare you turn my father's house? Into a market. His disciples remembered that it's written in what we know as the Old Testament. Passion, zeal for your house will consume me, will bother me, will unsettle me. Love that about Jesus. I'm glad that Jesus was bothered. I'm glad that God was bothered enough that we were Nineveh. God so loved the world. God was so bothered by Nineveh that he sent his only boy 
Thank God he was bothered. Or else we wouldn't be here today. Else we wouldn't be having baptisms. He was bothered that we were broken and there was no one to help us. You see, Jesus came in and man, I, I, I'm, I'm bothered. See, our culture sometimes gets more bothered. Steve Jobs, he said it this way, you have to have a burn, you have to be burning with an idea or a problem or a wrong that you want to right. If you're not passionate enough from the start, you'll never stick it out. I wonder what you're bothered about today. In a God realm. I'm not bothered about a lot of things. I'm bothered about politicians, all right? <laughs> but I mean, a God thing that you might be bothered about. And I'm bothered about my neighbor. They don't know God. I'm bothered about my customers. I'm bothered about my, you know, I'm bothered about my own flame. It's kind of gone down. What God thing would we be bothered about? Because if we don't have passion, we'll never make it to the end with passion. Try this statement on. Purpose is the reason for your journey. Passion is the fire that lights the way. You see, Jonah was MIA that day. He should have been there. He should have been bothered. He should have been like, this is my fault. But he was. He wasn't there. He was gone. Hey, where's Jonah? Don't know. Have no idea. I saw this this, uh, Starbucks prank on social media this week. I was like, this is perfect. And I encourage all of us to try it. Uh, So, you know, some people, you know, you go in Starbucks, you order your drink, and then they, you know, they put your name on the cup, and then you go to the end of the counter while they're making your drink, and then they, and then they, 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 you know, yell your name out. So some people put, you know, like Trump, you know, they'll they'll put a famous name on there, so like, you know, uh, Tom Brady, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this one, you, you go in, you order your drink, you pay for it, you're not going to rip them off, you pay for it, and you give them this name, and then you leave. And the name you give them is Bueller. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So they're, they're calling out Bueller. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Let's go do it. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know the, the, uh, the movie, then the, you got lost right there. It's all right. Get a life. Just go. <laughs> that sounds fun. Bueller was on board that day. He should have been bothered, but he was Bueller. There's a t-shirt for you. (laughs) Here's the last thing. It's important. Passion makes a statement. Passion makes a statement. I care about this thing. I really care about this thing. I, I was listening to Tony Evans, my favorite preacher, this past week. He said, hey, If someone at work accused you of being a Christian, could you be charged? Would they know it by the passion that you have? See, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from this Philistine. I'm making a statement here. It's passionate. And passionate people encourage others to be passionate. It's contagious. Watch what happens. For Samuel 17, 51, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead because David killed him with a rock, they turned and they ran. And the men of Israel, who had freaked out earlier, 
All of a sudden, they were passionate. They surged forward with a shout. They pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. They, man, they were like, man, we got this. Only because one shepherd boy was passionate because he was bothered. Because he was passionate about his God. He wanted to make a statement. God is bigger. God is bigger. So we, we come to this statement by uh, this author, Ian e. Forster. He goes this, one person with passion is better than 40 people merely interested. I wonder if the, the culture around us, so passionate for sports and music and business and profit and all those things, would look at the church and say, wow, it really means a lot to them. Or do we just look merely interested? And I know that's a steam. Okay, so maybe you just bought in. Maybe you said to yourself, okay, I get it. Man, I, want, I need more passion. My flame is kind of, it dwindled down here. How in the world do I get passion, Steve? Are you, are you, should I get in a closet and start shouting? Should I sing louder in the next worship service? You know, should I get emotional? Should I, you know, my father prided himself on long distance driving. And to keep himself awake, he would take his ankle and twist it underneath him until pain kept him awake. I'm like, Dad, there are these things called motels. We can just... <laughs> do, I, do I twist my you know, skin until I go, oh, I'm really passionate. I'm really bothered about this thing. Here's the thing. And we have to keep this in mind because I never want you to walk out the door and say, I've got to do it. In the Christian experience, listen carefully, or else you'll be super frustrated. You'll, you'll say, why am, I not, why am I not passionate? In the Christian experience, Everything happens from the inside out and not the outside in. What I mean by that is I'm like going to get out, really excited out here and expect the flame to go up. No, it's coming to God and saying, God, my flame's, my flame's down here. And I'm, I'm going to, I need, I'm going to ask you to, to bring more air. So I, I, I brought this picture to kind of stick in our minds as we close. See, when we come to Christ, Something happens that we cannot do. We try to do it. We try to you know, modify our behavior, etc. But when we come honestly at the end of ourselves, like everybody that got baptized today, we say, God, I, I know that I cannot become perfect. I know that I am broken. I'm a sinner. I'm fractured, just like everybody else on the whole planet. And so I'm coming to you exactly like I am, willing to follow you, to exchange my old life. So, and the Bible is called repentance, to change the direction of my life. And I'm coming to you open-handed. And I'm falling on Christ right now. I'm not going to depend on religion, ritual, trying to be right enough. I'm falling on Christ right now. And all of a sudden, God says, I give you a flame. I light the pile of light from the inside out. But God does not want us to live the rest of our life in pilot light mode. When we come to Christ, we have a place in heaven. Listen. When we open ourselves more to God, then heaven has a place in us. 
it's like a, it's like a gas stove, okay? Because some of you might be wondering, why am I not passionate, more passionate about, about this, this, this whole faith thing? Because I see some people like, man, they seem like they really got something I don't got, right? No, God gives us all the same pie of light. But there's a sense like a stove, a gas stove, where you have to open the valve and allow the, the gas. You allow the Spirit of God to come in and allow the Spirit of God more and more of your life. And the more you open the valve of God in your life, the more the flame comes up and that you'll be surprised at the passion. You didn't muster the passion by human effort. You'll be surprised by the passion. You see, Paul said it this way in, in Romans, never be lacking in passion. And some of you are like, I am lacking in passion. Never be lacking in passion. But keep, maintain your spiritual fervor. In his last letter, Paul speaks to his, his young protege, Timothy. And when he writes, if you look at the first chapter... It says, tears are running down my face as I'm writing, as I'm remembering you. Because Paul was in prison. Paul's writing to his young Timothy. And he says, I, you're like my son. And, and tears are running down my face. And he says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived inside your grandmother. He doesn't say, I remember how emotionally electric your grandma was. No. Inside, that's the key. I remember that sincere faith which lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mom Eunice. And I'm persuaded now, Timothy, that it's living in you. For this reason, son, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which is in you as we laid hands on you when you came to Christ. Listen, let me speak to fellow people on the team, fellow Christians. You'll never find excitement in following God if you live a pilot light life. You'll always wonder, it seems like there should be more. See, God is asking, fan that flame, fan that flame, open up the valve. God, more today, more today, more today, more of you today, more, you have more rule in my life today. I surrender more today, God, because we don't get more of the Spirit, the Spirit gets more of us. And the more of the Spirit gets more of us, the more it will flame. Now, some of you are looking for God and can't figure out this whole thing. Listen, this is serious. Some of you can't figure out why there's no passion in your life. It's because your life looks like that. No offense. My life looked like that. You heard stories today look like that. that I, 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 you know, one guy in the first service said, got baptized. Because I, I kept saying no to God. And I couldn't figure out because there was no pilot light. Where I'll get excited about music. I'll get excited about my job, about the profit I'm making, about my net worth. I'll get excited about my house. But still deep down, I came to Christ when everything was going my right my way. And yet, that was missing. My life on the outside, man, this guy's successful. He's going to a great school, blah, blah, blah. But inside, not outside, inside, 
Nothing. God waits every day of our life to say, can I ignite the pilot life in your life? Can I ignite the pilot? Is there some, I'm not talking about religion. Forget religion. I hate religion. God hates religion. I'm not talking about being in a church. I'm not talking about goody two shoes, getting your act together. We're talking about light in your life. We're talking about moving from darkness to an internal light, the Holy Spirit living in us that you can't describe, you can't understand. You might try, try you're trying to like, why is my life not alive? Maybe Christ is not part of your life, and Christ died to be part of your life. Won't you ask him, will you light the pilot life in my life? And if you're a follower of Christ, won't you fan, God, I want to open my valve to you. I wonder today, what if we had as much passion about the world? It'd be a different place. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.